Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is coming. Our text for our sermon is recorded in Revelation chapter 2 verses 8 through 11. To the messenger of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who was dead and came to life again says this, I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy that comes from those who say they are Jews but are not. Rather, they are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear anything that you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will suffer for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we continue our series, we have learned that while there are seven churches that are held up as an example for all of the bride of Christ, the invisible church of, uh, uh, until Christ returns, the revelation's meant to comfort us. And last week we covered the, the message that was specifically for Ephesus, letting them know there was praise, but then they had forsaken their first love. God was not first place in their heart anymore. The congregation as a whole had fallen into that. And Jesus had warned them of that so that they could fix that. Now, the letter to the congregation in Smyrna is full of praise. There's nothing that they have got wrong here. But then there is a warning. This is meant to comfort and encourage them because a hard time is coming. As is usual from here on out, I'll be preaching on my own translation of the inspired Greek language that John wrote in. He says, you are to continue proving to be faithful even to death. Even if they take your life, be faithful. Do not forsake the good news that you trust in that Jesus Christ is your Savior. God had become man to save you. So as we continue our series, which is questions to ask ourselves as we read the messages to the seven churches, today we'll ask the question, are we faithful to the point of death? So let's jump into the text at verse 8. It says, next to the angel of the assembly in Smyrna, you are to write these things. And we've covered, while well, the Greek word is angelos, uh, and we think of an angelic being, more than likely God would not need a man to write a letter to an angelic being who often can appear before the throne of God. This is probably a messenger. As I've said, throughout church history, God has always seen to it that there are people who will lead the congregation in God's word and its truth and purity. And as he says uh, there, next to the messenger of the assembly, then in, in, the, in Smyrna, and the word used for assembly is ecclesia. It means those who are called out. They're called out of slavery to sin, death, and the devil. They're called out of the ways of this world. They are called to be citizens of God's kingdom, God's children, but they're called to gather together around the word. Now, it's interesting that we do know who one of the messengers was, one of the people who was to receive this message was for the congregation of Smyrna. The man happened to have learned right under the feet of the Apostle John himself. The man's name was Polycarp. And as we know, there's a persecution coming for Smyrna. Polycarp in 155 AD, the Jewish people resenting him using also the Romans, piled up wood on him and burned him to death. And he remained faithful to the Lord. And in fact, as a side note, we are still blessed to this day because the Lord gave him a strong faith. Because the Roman government persecuted Christians and tried to stomp out what we call the New Testament. 
So it's hard to find manuscripts of the New Testament before 300 AD when Constantine ended that persecution, although they do exist. But people who try to claim that the Bible evolved and doesn't show up till 300 AD are dead wrong because we have uh, writings of Polycarp where he actually quotes books of the New Testament. And remember, he died at 155 AD roughly. So that is uh, some of that still Polycarp still gives us comfort today that we can trust in the reliability of God's word. But as we gather all that together, there's a persecution coming and the spokesman for the Trinity, the, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, wants to comfort them so that they remain strong. And he's going to do that by having them gather together and having whoever is leading the congregation in the word share this message of comfort and encouragement. So from that, as we ask the question, are we faithful to the point of death? We can answer when we are faithful, we will gather around God's word. It will encourage us. It will assure us of forgiveness. And then we encourage each other and assure each other of forgiveness. Continuing on, the second half of verse 8 says, The one who is first and the one who is last, he who became dead and became alive, says, I have perceived your affliction and your poverty. In every one of these letters that is written to the seven churches, a description of Jesus Christ is given that goes back to chapter 1, and that description is always an attribute that is meant to comfort and encourage So here when it says the one who is first and the one who is last, the one who became dead and became alive, that reminds us back in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 through 18, where John says, When I saw him, I fell to his feet as if I were a dead man. And he placed his right hand upon me and he said, Stop being afraid. I myself am the first and the last and the one who keeps on living. I became dead and pay very close attention. I continue being alive forever and ever and I keep on holding the keys of death and Hades. So here, Jesus is emphasizing that he is true God in all eternity, who became a man, died for our sins, conquered death, and rose victorious. People in Smyrna are going to die for their faith. How comforting to know that God, the God-man who lived in our place and died in our place, is saying, they can't take your life unless I let them. And if I let them, it's because I'm taking you to heaven. I am in control. Your lives, your very souls are safe in my hands. I'm ruling for them. And again, just like he said uh, to the congregation in Ephesus, uh, in verse 9, he says, I have perceived your affliction and poverty. When he says, I have perceived, it's a word for knowledge, but it's a word for seeing. Jesus is true God. He's all knowing. And we're reminded of that in chapter 1, verse 14, where John said, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Nothing escapes his knowledge, his seeing. He's seen how they have remained true. So the all-knowing God is the one who is in control of their lives, and he's already in control. As we ask the question, are we faithful to the point of death? Just from this second half of verse 8, we can find comfort and say, when we are faithful, we will cling to Jesus as the eternal God who suffered death and defeated it with his resurrection for you and I. We continue then to verse 9. I've already read part of that. He says, I have perceived your affliction and your poverty, but you continue being wealthy and the bad-mouthing out of those who are saying they are Jews and yet they are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. You don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out what's going on here. Zealous people wanting to be zealous to protect what you and I call the Old Testament, claiming they are Jews, are persecuting Christians. Now God says they're not true Jews. They may have Jewish DNA, a DNA that can be traced back to Abraham in them, 
But the whole, what they called the Torah or Moses and the prophets, the whole of what we call the Old Testament was all about the fact that God would become a man and save us. And Jesus was the only one in history who fulfilled every prophecy and they missed it. They rejected him. The one Abraham looked forward to coming. They claimed to be Jews, but they were not. But it seems because of them, the Christians in Smyrna are already enduring affliction and even poverty. We can see how this can work today where a Christian posts words of encouragement on Facebook or whatever social media you're talking about. And the next thing they know, they're fired. You get a reputation in a town like this and pretty soon you're having a hard time finding work. And interesting, the word that was used for the the gathering of believers in Smyrna, Ecclesia, is not used for these people. God says instead they are a synagogue of Satan. A gathering. Now remember, the synagogue was kind of the intertestimonial period's grandfather to what is our uh, congregation today. But they're gathering together and doing Satan's work. The word used here for Satan actually is when you take a word from, they took a word from from the Aramaic language and converted it into Greek. And that word in Aramaic actually means the one lying in in ambush. That, That name used for Satan gives us a glimpse at how he works like a lion hiding in the sedan grass waiting until the unsuspecting victim comes by. And how do we become the unsuspecting victim? Wow, it's just so hard. It's so hard. I I just got to sleep in on Sunday. This struggle with my sinful nature, it's just getting to be too... I'm just going to take this armor off that God has given me. I'm just going to sit down and drink from the world's well here. I just want to take a bam! And he pounces on us. And the Jewish people there are actually doing the devil's work. But it's interesting. He says to the people in Smyrna, he says, I I have perceived your affliction in poverty... But you continue being wealthy. How are they wealthy? They might not have the world's wealth. They have the blood of Christ. They are redeemed children of God. They have God's love. And one can easily conclude by the word said, while they are, all be, while they are suffering affliction because of this and poverty, they are looking out for each other. They are rich. When it says bad-mouthing, as I translated it, that's the word we get blasphemy from. Don't forget when like Saul was persecuting Christians, Jesus doesn't come and say, why are you persecuting my little lambs to Saul? He says, why are you persecuting me? And then he turns him into the apostle Paul, right? They might be bad mouthing the people of Smyrna, but they are blaspheming God. And God says, hang on, things are about to get worse. And we're going to find out the reason here in a minute. But there is an application for you and I because... As I look at the history of Lord of Lords Lutheran Church, there are many times you have known what it's like to have poverty as a congregation according to worldly terms. There are plenty of times where you had to choose what bill to pay in your past history. Do we often step back and say, if only we had somebody that has this spiritual gift or that spiritual gift? This is a word that very much applies to you, Lord of Lords Lutheran Church in Casper been plenty of times in your history when you were poor and you might even think that now but you are wealthy what a privilege to be a small congregation that can look out for each other that can notice when sheep are missing a couple too many sundays in a row so that we can say i'm worried about you brother or sister in christ let's apply the blood of christ to you what a privilege it is being a small congregation that we have god's love and it is a privilege 
As I look in your history, I have not seen one pastor in which was a false teacher and leading you astray with the word. They were remaining faithful. So you have always had that word in its truth and purity. Yes, you are also rich. So as we ask the question, are we faithful to the point of death? We see when we are faithful, we will cling to God's word, even if it causes earthly affliction, poverty, and even slander. Now in verse 10, the big, here's the big warning that we're building up to. He says, literally start and do not, he says, start and do not stop fearing anything, specifically the things you are about to be suffering. Behold, the devil is about to be throwing some of you guys in prison in order that you guys may be tested and so that you guys will have affliction during 10 days. You are to continue proving to be faithful even to death and then I will give you the victory crown of life. A lot is said here. And literally the first few words as I translate them, start, do not stop fearing anything. They literally are continue fearing nothing. But we got to make that speak English for us. Continue fearing nothing. This congregation has endured affliction and has not been afraid. But he says it's about to get worse. And the way he says it, the Greek tense that's used, it's kind of like when the mailman's walking or mail lady is walking up the driveway with your package. It's not at your front door yet, but it is coming right then and there and you can see it. So it is on its way. And the word used here, he says, pay close attention. Behold, he says, the devil. The name used here for devil is a name for slanderer. We find out not only does the devil pounce at opportune times, but he likes to tell lies about us. He likes to tell slander. This is one of the devil's favorite things. Do you remember he got Adam and Eve to, to fall into sin by lying to them? And he'll, he'll tell you, it's okay. He'll use your sinful nature. He'll whisper in your ear, you've been struggling with this sin. Just, just let it go. No one will notice. And you let down your armor. And then not only does he say, how could you? God could never forgive you for this. He goes running off to God and says, look at this sin. And, and he'll even tell lies about things. But you know what God the Father's response is to the slander? The slander when it comes to you? He says, I don't know what you're talking about. All I see is my son's blood all over my precious lamb. That's the end of his lies. But he's going to tell lies. And as he says, some of them are going to be thrown in prison. And he tells the reason why. In order that you may be tested. The Greek word used for tested here is a thorough examination. When I was in high school and had biology, we dissected frogs so we could thoroughly examine them. We could not put the frogs back together when we were done. That was it. The frog was dead. That's exactly what the devil intended. He wanted to find out what made their faith tick, and his whole entire intention is to find out so he can destroy it. And here we go from the congregation, the collective singular, you singular, to you guys, as Jesus focuses on each one of them. He's going to examine each one of them. But the thing that we often don't realize is how much the devil would attack us if God did not hold it back. God allows us to be examined, but God is all-knowing, so he doesn't do that so he can find out how faithful we are. When he does it, it's for our benefit. Lots of times it's to show us where we're not clinging so well to him so that he then can turn around and strengthen us using his word. Other times it's to say, yes, you are faithful here. And I have learned lots of times when that happens, it's because even more is coming down the turnpike and he's preparing me for it. That's just practical experience I've seen in my own life. And I'm sure you can say the same. But he says, and so you guys will have affliction during 10 days. 
Now, a lot of commentators say this means it's a short time. I disagree with that. I think that the number, I know the number 10 in, throughout the book of Revelation is the number for completion. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to be examined until it has completed the purpose for which God is allowing it. However, they can find comfort in this because God has set its end. It is not going to go on forever. By the way, the city of Smyrna still exists today. It's been named a different name, kind of like Istanbul is now Constantinople, and there's a song about that. But it still exists today, and there are still Christians to be found there. So he says, you are to continue proving to be faithful even to death, and then I will give you the victory crown of life. When the Romans competed in games, the winner, instead of getting a gold medal, got a, a wreath made of uh, celery stalks. That would wither and decay. But the one of life, that's eternal life. It's not that they earn it. It's that it's theirs. And by staying faithful, they won't forsake it and give it up. Are we faithful to the point of death? We see in this section... When we are faithful, we will not fear any suffering that comes from adhering to God's word. And God's word is the only thing that's going to give us that ability not to fear it. So Jesus wraps up his message to the congregation in Smyrna at verse 11. He says, The one who keeps on having ears is to hear what the Spirit is saying to the assemblies. The one who keeps on conquering will never, ever suffer the injustice of being harmed from the death, specifically the second one. Notice how the second death is emphasized here. The first death is when our soul is separated from our body. But the second death, that's for unbelievers. That's when their soul is sent eternally to hell. And the word used when he says they're not going to be harmed, it's really suffer the injustice of being harmed. You have been made God's child, remaining faithful. And we remain faithful by being in that word means God is going to make sure you do not end up in hell. God would say that would be an injustice after he has poured his blood upon you and promised you eternal life in your baptism. So when it says the one who keeps on having ears is to hear what the Spirit is saying, well, that's for all Christendom. We all have ears to hear. And how do we conquer? Again, faith comes from hearing the message. That's Romans chapter 10. So we conquer by staying in that word and not letting that word be poisoned, not letting falsehood be mixed in with that word. Because it is that word that assures us that God did all the work to save us and nourishes that new man that clings and is engrafted to Christ. When we are faithful, we will conquer by using God's word. So the congregation in Smyrna was going to undergo persecution and they would remain faithful to it. So as we've asked, are we faithful to the point of death? We see when we are faithful, we will gather together around God's word where we are given, where we are assured of forgiveness and that Christ is our savior. When we are faithful, we will cling to Jesus as the eternal God who suffered death and defeated it with his resurrection. When we are faithful, we will cling to God's word, even if it causes earthly affliction, poverty and slander. When we are faithful, we will not fear any suffering that comes from adhering to God's word. When we are faithful, we will conquer by hearing and using God's word. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.